You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadiens, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadian's Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadian's Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 238 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm very pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. And Rick, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I hope everything is well with you, and I hope everything is well with our listeners uh, as well. It's been it's been a bit of a trying week um, weather wise uh, for um, many of our listeners, and um, and we're thinking of of uh, the folks in Quebec. Some still without power. We're thinking of of people in northern Ontario and Manitoba getting through uh, some big snowstorms this past week, and um, yeah, we're here to to inform you and entertain you and, and uh, hopefully uh, distract you on this uh, long weekend from, from some of the difficulties that uh, you've had this week. Yeah, many uh, folks in Montreal still without power, without heat, uh, still a bit cold outside. So our thoughts are with you. Uh, I'm on that boat as well. Uh, my place has been out of power since Wednesday. So hopefully everything gets back soon. And uh, like you said, Rick, uh, uh, hopefully this podcast uh, helps uh, be a little bit of a distraction from that and, uh, Plenty of Montreal Canadian stuff to talk about. Uh, it's been a bit of an up and down week for them. Uh, we'll get you all up to date on uh, the games that they played. Uh, we'll take a look at the Habs prospects. And then in segment two, uh, it's going to be the big topic, and uh, we're going to be auditing our bold predictions. So if you want to <laughs> go all the way back to the end of September, early October, we uh, had some questions and we had some predictions that we made. So we're going to go back and uh, take a look, see how things panned out there. And then segment three, it's uh, the Have Your Say segment, our Canadians Connection question of the week. Do you think that the Montreal Canadiens had a successful season? We want to hear from you. And uh, Rick, what's the best way for all the listeners to reach out and let us know their thoughts? You can reach out to us. And we've had many um, Canadians fans and our listeners do that this past week. You can reach out to us by our Rocket Sports text line. Our, Our text line anytime, 24 hours a day is 5853ROCKET. You can also send us an email. Uh, we have a new email address, as we've been telling you, hello at rocketsportsmedia.com. And 
we've got some really, um, well, we've got a bunch of emails this week, but uh, one we want to share with you a little later in the third segment. Feel free to reach out to us on our social media. Give at Habs Connection a follow on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, check out the website, CanadiansConnection.com. The Montreal Canadiens played three games this past week. So if we want to go all the way back to April the 1st, uh, Carolina takes a visit to Montreal and they win 3-0. The Habs were outshot 50-14. to uh, To be honest, I'm kind of shocked that this was only 3-0. Uh, a little bit outclassed by uh, the Cana- uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, the Canes really just showing the contenders that they are. The the Canes just, um, they controlled the play. They controlled the puck. They spent the majority of that, uh, of the game in the Canadiens' end. Um, you mentioned the shot on goal. The, the, the shot attempts were 72-23. A little bit odd, uh, but the high danger scoring chances were just 7-5 for Carolina. So, a busy night for Sam Montembeau. Not too difficult a night, um, but he was just peppered with a lot of, um, of kind of warm-up uh, type shots. Um, and and it just tired the Canadians uh, constantly uh, defending. Uh, interesting stat that, that I thought, um, at least I thought was interesting, and this was, this was uh, put out by Canes fans, that the Canadians have not defeated the Carolina Hurricanes in regulation, um, that's nine games since the Sebastian Ajo uh, offer sheet by Mark Bergeron. Um, we'll see uh, how long that <laughs> continues. Uh, not sure how to feel about that. Yeah, really? Oh, man. But anyways, uh, the Canadians had a few days off to reflect on that uh, before Detroit came into town to visit on the 4th of April, and Detroit wins 5 to nothing. Uh, so that's the second game in the row that the Canadians get shut out. Caden Primo got the start and uh, a little bit lackluster on his end. Uh, four high danger scoring chances for Montreal in the first, uh, but uh, that was about it. They didn't uh, put anything else on the board after that first period. A 762 save percentage for Caden Primo. That was a rough start for him. Could have been worse. We remember um, Nick Suzuki sweeping the puck. He got through Primo, sweeping it off the goal line. Um, yeah, I mean, Detroit and Carolina at opposite ends of the spectrum, yet uh, Detroit dominated this game. A, a great game by Billy Husso, who had been out for a couple of weeks with a, a lower body injury, came back to shut out the Canadians, and that shutout streak. Um, was at this point over 140 minutes um, that that, the the Canadians were held uh, um, scoreless. And it looks like they saved all their offense uh, for April the 6th when uh, Washington came into town as Montreal wins 6-2. Armia, uh, I guess he saved all his offense of the season for this game as well, getting the hat trick there. Uh, Four goals in the second period uh, to overcome the Capitals. So uh, if there's a game uh, highlight that you want to watch, it's probably that one. And (laughs) shorthanded. Two shorthanded goals uh, in this game. Uh, The the penalty kill powered the Canadians and Yol Armia, uh, which is a solid game for him. Uh, It was... Uh, it was nice to see them finally uh, break that uh, that goal drought and and uh, lots of smiles after this game. So be sure to check out all the comprehensive game previews and post game recaps for every Montreal Canadiens game at HabsHockeyReport.com. The Canadiens' record currently thirty one forty two and six. That's sixty eight points and twenty seventh in the NHL. A little bit of updates for injuries uh, as that injury buck continues to make its way through the Montreal dressing room. 
Alex Belzil will miss the rest of the season with a fractured leg. Uh, Belzil is a pending UFA uh, this offseason. Yeah, um, and and we'll see what what happens uh, with Belzil. Um, he, he's pretty confident that he's returning. He said, uh, "See you uh, in um, uh, in in the fall uh, at training camp." Um, but we'll, we'll yeah we'll see if if he's brought back as as a free agent and and uh, whether he spends um, time in Laval or in Montreal next season. Sean Monahan, who's been out since December the 5th, will miss the remainder of the season after undergoing groin surgery, six goals and 11 assists in 25 games. The odd part of this, for me, um, we remember he was he was close to the lineup, he was not close to the lineup, um, and, and he had sustained other injuries during rehab. Um, Eric Ingalls, um, and I'll just read his tweet, said... And this was um, posted on uh, the 3rd of, of April. That was Monday. Sean Monahan's groin surgery happened at some point over the last few days. So he had already had it, and and he's um, going to recover within six, that's the plan, six to eight weeks. We remember the predictions about uh, recovery. But the, the, the odd thing is that he injured that uh, groin, it appears, uh, sometime during the rehab um, of his uh, foot injury. The Canadians recalled goaltender Caden Primo and defenseman Corey Schooneman from the Laval Rocket on Monday. As things stood on Saturday morning, April the 8th, they needed a backup goaltender and a defenseman, and it looks like both have been recalled. So both of them were returned to Laval for Friday night's game against Cleveland um, in Laval and now have been uh, shuttled off to Toronto so that they can uh, be in the lineup for uh, the Canadians on Saturday night, and and they're going to be needed back in Laval for sure, uh, as uh, Laval has that playoff push to end their season next week. So it'll be plenty of travel for both of them. Uh, hopefully, the games are nearby so they can get back and forth pretty easily. And uh, now I think it's a good time to get to our winners and losers of the week. And now it's time for this week's winners and losers on the Canadians Connection. So our winners and losers, uh, we're not choosing just Montreal Canadiens, but I think anything within hockey, anything within sports, uh, we'll pick one winner, one loser each. And Rick, I'll let you get started on your loser. My loser is going to go uh, outside um, of hockey to um, NFL football, Uh, but it also relates to Major League Baseball. We're covering a couple of sports here. Uh, it was Kansas City uh, Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey, uh, Super Bowl winning uh, tight end Travis Kelsey. Um, he um, threw out the first pitch at the Cleveland, um, I almost said it, Cleveland Guardians, as they're now called, uh, their game at uh, Progressive Field on, on Friday. Um, it was a sold out crowd. Um, Travis and, and uh, Travis, who is from Cleveland, um, Went to the mound with his mother Donna, and um, and it was his job to throw out the ceremonial first pitch, um, and in in the place where he grew up, he was wearing um, a Cleveland uniform. Um, he made uh, it was a long drawn out affair. He unbuttoned his uniform and he, he was wearing a t shirt underneath that said "I'm from Cleveland." He revved up the crowd with his arms. He got on the mound and he threw one of the worst uh, ceremonial first pitches in in history 
Um, it was hard, but it bounced and just about took off the head of, of the pitcher who was um, the Cleveland pitcher who was acting as a, as a catcher and, and a mascot. And they both had to dive out of the way. Um, we've seen other, we've seen rappers get up and do terrible first pitches. We've seen Anthony Fauci, maybe one of the worst. Um, but Travis Kelsey is an athlete um, and not only an athlete. Um, and, and yes, why should we expect uh, a tight end who catches the ball to be able to throw, except the fact that he was a three-sport athlete in, in high school, basketball, football, and baseball. And he was actually drafted by the Detroit um, Tigers as a, as a baseball player. Uh, so you'd expect that he'd be able to, to know how to throw. And his dad is former Major League pitcher Pat Mahomes. Um, so this was, this was awful. This was terrible. And, and he was a good sport about it. As soon as it, like he whistled this by the ear of, of the catcher, he ran immediately uh, to, to, the, to the, uh, the pitcher acting as a catcher and, and hugged him and, and apologized and all of that. Um, it was kind of fun. But uh, for that, um, Travis Kelsey gets my loser of the week. Yeah, well, I hope he goes home and uh, maybe practices that throw a little bit, uh, although I doubt he'll be invited back to do another uh, ceremonial pitch. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, chirped, chirped him loudly on, on Twitter. <laughs> nice. I'll have to take a look at that one. Uh, my loser for the week, I'm going to throw some shade at the Washington Capitals as they have been officially eliminated from the playoffs uh, the game just before they played Montreal. And by the way, what a bad effort by the Washington Capitals <laughs> against Montreal, losing that one 6-2 to two, like we just talked about. But uh, you know what? The team with Alexander Ovechkin could not figure it out. I, I think uh, we saw them uh, signal that uh, they might want to retool a little bit earlier this season when they traded Orlov and Hathaway to the Boston Bruins. I might go back to last summer when the Washington Capitals had both uh, Vitek Vanacek and Ilya Samsonov as their goalies and let them both walk away as free agents for nothing in favor of bringing in uh, Stanley Cup goaltender Darcy Kemper, who uh, he, he was not that great during no. uh, that cup run. He struggled a bit with injuries. I know in the past uh, Kemper has shown to be a lot better than what he showed in Colorado, but uh uh, kind of unfortunate because both uh, Vanacek and Samsonov has, have gone on to be really good starting goaltenders for other teams in the East, uh, division rival in the New Jersey Devils too. So that uh, it sucks uh, for Washington uh, that they could not get things figured out and uh, give uh, Ovechkin another opportunity this year, and uh, that's why they get my loser for the week. That's a great pick, and and yeah, it was a pathetic effort. It was a letdown game for them as they had just officially been eliminated from the playoffs um and and they looked awful it you know the the caps have said that they're not going to be in rebuild mode as long as alex ovechkin is part of their team uh but it makes things difficult for them and and um and maybe they've made some real questionable decisions and for me it's going to be interesting i, I kind of see uh the capitals and the penguins in the same sort of category with ovechkin and and crosby and and, and yes, the Penguins still have a shot at the playoffs this year, but, um, you know, you think about their future and the future of the Capitals kind of being in the same uh, basket. Yeah, Pittsburgh currently on the outside looking in a little bit, so it's going to go come right down to the wire for uh, that team. Yeah. 
but looking at our winners for the week, and uh, I'll start things off here. I'm going to go out west to Seattle and uh, give the crack in my uh, first star for this week. Uh, they clinched uh, their first ever uh, playoff berth. Uh, they're holding down the first wild, scar- wild card spot in the west. And uh, I think, uh, you know, a pretty good season for them overall. They went off to a very hot start at one point. Uh, one of the best teams in the NHL kind of fizzled off a bit. Uh, but uh, they've managed to get themselves into the playoffs and uh, first time in franchise history. So big congrats to them. And uh, I'm sure their fans will be very excited about that. Well, especially after their first season, when everybody said, what in the world has Ron Francis done? And of course they were holding Seattle up to, to uh, Vegas and, and kind of comparing their first, uh, their inaugural seasons. Uh, and obviously uh, Ron Francis and, and Dave Haxtell, they, they've, They've done some really good things because uh, Seattle is a very good team this year. And uh, who do you have for your winner of the week, Rick? I kind of had him as an honorable mention uh, last week, and that's Emil Heineman. Uh, and he gets this, the sole uh, winner spot in my books this, uh, this week. Uh, for me, um, he has been tremendous uh, for the Laval Rocket since, uh, since coming over. Um, he's... He's now played seven games. He has eight points, seven goals, seven goals in seven games. Um, he he's looked amazing. Uh, he looks like he he has uh, NHL talent and that he plays at NHL pace. Um, and he probably deserved uh, a call up, uh, but for the fact that that the Canadians um, needed Caden Primo to uh, back up. Uh, to play and and also to back up Sam Montembeau with Jake Allen being injured, so um, I just watch for him as the, as Laval continues to push for the playoffs and if they get into the playoffs, uh, Emil Heineman um, and 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 it's good to to think about what he can do um, in the lineup um, next year and and he's certainly making a, a case for the Canadians not to uh, re-sign uh, a player like Gurionov. So uh, Emil Heineman is a nice tie-in for our Habs Prospect Report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. So we'll kick things off by talking about the Laval Rockets past week. Uh, going back to last Saturday, April the 1st, uh, Laval takes a trip to Milwaukee and they get a 6-4 to four win. Uh, the Rocket kind of exploded with four goals in that third period to win that one. So pretty solid effort, uh, very high scoring as well. Uh, they get a couple days off in between, kind of a light week. Uh, their next game was not until the 7th of April. And that's uh, at home uh, hosting the Cleveland Monsters and Cleveland wins 5-4. to four. Uh, Laval was up four to two going into the third period and absolutely just dropped the ball as uh, Cleveland scores three unanswered to take the lead and uh, complete the comeback. Yeah, and there was two goals uh, on the power play by Trey uh, Fix Wilansky um, again uh, being indisciplined as it continues to hurt uh, the Laval Rocket. Caden Primo, um, nothing special, couldn't make the big save in this game. Um, and, and yeah, the, the third period collapse was, was tough because, um, you know, it, this was a crucial game. The, the Laval rocket were up by a point on Cleveland, uh, Cleveland with the game in hand. Uh, but Laval's got, uh, and you'll, you'll mention it in a minute, a tailor-made schedule next week. 
Um, Cleveland has a miserable schedule to end end the season, including a three and three uh, Friday, Saturday, and and Sunday, um, and having to travel um, as well. So um, it, this this is was set up for for Lavelle uh, to coast into the playoffs, and now it's it's going to be it's going to be difficult. Um, but they, they're still going to have an opportunity. I should say that uh, Kent Hughes has been pulling out all the stops, not only adding players, um, Jaden Struble. Struble got his, uh, his first uh, pro point last night, a point shot that Emil Heinemann uh, redirected. Uh, so he, he's been good, uh, but it got his first point last night. Heinemann, obviously, uh, has been terrific. Um, but also, curiously, I thought, we remember that Jakob Dobas has been uh, added uh, to uh, Laval. Uh, and it was Jakob Dobas uh, backing up Caden Primo last night. Where was Kevin Poulin? Well, Kevin Poulin was having a luxurious ride in his chauffeur-driven limousine to Syracuse last night so that he could arrive at 10 o'clock and be in his bed and have a nice, uh, nice full <laughs> night's sleep uh, to be ready for the Syracuse game today and not have to sit on his bus on the bus with his teammates um, as his teammates didn't get in until about three a- into Syracuse until about 3 a.m. last night. Um, so I, I'm not sure that I've ever heard of, of sending ahead uh, your goaltender like that in the AHL. Um, it's, it's interesting, uh, but certainly, um, Ken Hughes thinks that a, a playoff position is that important, uh, that he's, um, money's no object. Uh, he's spending everything to make sure that the Laval rocket, um, get into the playoffs. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good lifestyle that he's got <laughs> going on there. Uh, hopefully it pays off, and uh, we'll see tonight on April the 8th uh, Laval taking that visit to Syracuse. And like you mentioned, uh, Laval seems to have at least one day off to rest in between all their games coming up. Uh, the next one, April the 10th, uh, Wilkesbury scranton comes to Laval. Uh, on the 12th, Toronto comes to Laval. And then on the 14th, Sy- Syracuse comes to Laval. So not a ton of travel either. So a uh, really big opportunity. Well, and we'll just remind people that uh, Laval has been really good at home. Um, and those last three games in Laval, particularly Wilkesbury scranton should be, uh, they've been awful this year, um, with all due respect. Uh, that should be uh, an easy two points, uh, but but being able to finish at home uh, is a, a tailor-made schedule for for Laval uh, to secure that playoff spot. Taking a look over at the CHL, uh, the playoffs are currently underway, and uh, plenty of Habs prospects to follow there. Uh, both London and Kitchener uh, move on to round two, so it looks like it'll be Mashar versus Logan Mayu. Uh, Vincennes Roar and the Ottawa 67s are looking to close out the, their first uh, round playoff matchup tonight on Saturday, April the 8th, and move on to round two. Currently, they have a 3-1 to one lead. Uh, Beck and the Peterborough Peets have eliminated Sudbury. They'll be moving on as well. Uh, Joshua Waugh with uh, Sherbrooke uh, currently has 10 points. Uh, he's already going to be in round two. Same with Kidney. He currently has... Uh, 11 points in five games. Uh, Gatineau are off to round two. And Seattle as well. The Thunderbirds uh, and uh, Jared Davidson will be playing with them. Uh, and, and each of those players has played key roles um, The in in that uh, uh, game four for uh, Gatineau. Riley Kidney had a goal. 
and and an assist. Joshua Waugh, in their closeout game, um, had two goals and an assist, including the game-winning goal. Um, the Peterborough, their closeout game against uh, Sudbury, Owen Beck had a goal. Um, each of them, uh, Philippe Machar had a goal um, in uh, the Kitchener Rangers series that closed, uh, in their series that closed out Windsor. Uh, Vincent Rohr had a goal and an assist um, as they went up three to one. So in each case, um, it's been it's been Montreal Canadiens prospects who've been uh, contributing um, and helping their team and getting that that playoff experience um, in in uh, the CHL. We also have some updates from the NCAA, uh, the NCAA. Double A Hockey Championship uh, Frozen Four uh, was underway, and the final is going to be Quinnipiac University Bobcats versus University of Minnesota Golden Golden Gophers. Uh, so, do we uh, have any Habs prospects left in this one? Well, uh, we remember that that Lane Hudson and and Luke Tuck were playing for for Boston. They they lost to um, uh, Rhett Pitlick's uh, University of Minnesota. So, Rhett Pitlick is uh, in the final. Uh, and the University of Minnesota, um, it, it's it's interesting the way it turned out. The overall uh, number one seed was the University of Minnesota. Uh, the overall number two seed was Quinnipiac. Uh, so it's it's number one versus two, um, and and fascinating that uh, the University of Minnesota is all offense. Um, they have. Um, the last two opponents, they've outshot 27-13 in the first period. They go up big. Or they they press hard. They're all offense, and, and they go up big in the first period. Um, they have prospects like Logan Cooley, like Jimmy Snuggerud, like Matthew Knees. Um, and like I say, they're, they're all offense. Uh, their goals per game rate during the season is 4.3. That's first in the NCAA. Uh, Quinnipiac... Um, is is the opposite. Uh, they're all defense, and uh, uh, they they play uh, kind of an unusual uh, one one three um, uh, setup. Uh, so they are they are trap first, and they are all defense. They are uh, number one in the NCAA in terms of defense, only allowing one point six goals uh, per game. The other thing I want to tell you uh, about the Quinnipiac is uh, we remember a few weeks, actually uh, closer to a month ago, on the 11th of March, it was episode 234 of the Canadians Connection podcast, when we talked about NCAA free agents that were going to be available at the end of this season and that that the Canadians might have a look at. And I mentioned Yaniv Peretz. Um, He's from Dollard. He's a Quebec native and has has had a tremendous season for Quinnipiac. Uh, 33, four and three was his record in goal. 148 goals against 932 save percentage, 10 shutouts. He will be in goal in uh, the final, uh, Yaniv Peretz. So he has an opportunity to, uh, win the national title and then perhaps, uh, sign a free agent contract. And will the Canadians be, uh, part of that, uh, uh, that those teams pursuing, uh, a free agent NCAA goaltender will will have to see, but um, um, exciting. It's going to be exciting, and and it's a reason that we pay pretty close attention uh, to the NCAA um, equally uh, to that of the CHL. 
And uh, more news from the NCAA. Adam Fantilli from the University of Michigan was named the winner of the Hobie Baker Memorial Award. Uh, He had 65 points in 36 games, currently projected to go number two in the draft. So uh, I know there's a lot of hype around uh, number one, Connor Bedard. But hey, if uh, you end up with that number two pick, Adam Fantilli is an excellent choice. Tremendous uh, player and uh, led all um, other uh, players in the NCAA in scoring. Played for the University of Michigan. They uh, were beat in the semifinal. Um, but yeah, he's he's going to be a player and, and absolutely the right choice uh, for the Hobie Baker Award. Yeah, man, it looks like uh, Lane Hudson and Sean Farrell were named as All-Americans, weren't they? They were, and we remember that, that the two of them were uh, part of the larger group when uh, when I think it was down to 10 uh, finalists for the Hobie Baker Award. Uh, they were there, um, and uh, but they get the, the, the consolation prize and being named First Team All-American, First Team All-American East, uh, both Lane Hudson and Sean Farrell. So be sure to read all the content at AHL.Report. Also listen to and subscribe to The Press Zone as Amy Johnson, Patrick Williams, and sometimes Rick Stevens uh, host that one. That's going to be your inside source for everything AHL, Laval Rocket, and Habs Prospects. Now we're going to take a look at our quote of the week. And uh, we have an interesting quote coming from Michael Pizzetta. Uh, Pizzetta known as a, kind of a, a rougher player, not uh, shy to drop the gloves. And he's talking about a recent rule change that went down in the NHL. Yeah, it's definitely a, it's definitely a sticky situation. And I think it's something that the league's trying to navigate right now. So, When you went back to the penalty box again, he was still sitting there? It looked like you guys were chatting. Yeah, we were, were, still... we were just uh, we were talking about exactly that, right? We were talking about uh, the instigator. Like, uh, I mean, things have changed. I mean, he was saying there's so many times he's been jumped after, after a big hit and there's no instigator. And there's times where, like this one, where we, we squared off and, and there's an instigator. So uh, we were just having to talk about the, the, the new rule. The new rule. All right, let's back up for a minute here. <laughs> what in the world is going on? Um, we remember back to the GM meetings in March. We told you that the the GMs were were having a discussion about uh, players uh, having to fight uh, after delivering a clean hit. And of course, it's not something that um, that we want to see. They talked about different rule changes and other possibilities. The GMs went into these breakout groups and they they uh, proposed different things. Uh, some GMs thought uh, simply uh, enforce the instigator rules. Bill Daly said, you know, this is something that they would take under advisement, that, that there was still a lot of discussion to be had on, on this topic, um, and nothing, nothing was imminent. However, it appears that the, uh, the officials in the NHL have been, have been told otherwise, uh, and to start enforcing um, the the um, instigator rule uh, where uh, a perceived a clean hit is followed by a fight. So we saw in that Washington game, um, and and listen, this may not have been the best textbook example because I think it was uh, yeah, some some deemed it a clean hit, some didn't, um, but Michael Pozzetta hit Nick Dowd, um, kind of a borderline hit. Nick Dowd was against the boards, had his head down. Uh, 
and and Michael Bazetta acknowledges that 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 uh, that Dowd had his head down. He said he tried uh, to to hit him shoulder to body. Um, hoped he didn't. You know, he he said he could have hit him in the head. He didn't. Um, so there was there was um, uh, you know it was Nick Dowd actually went down in a heap, and Tom Wilson who happened to be on the ice. Um, came over to, as as Michael Pozzetta would have done had Nick Suzuki or another player been been hit in the same way. Um, and they fought. Uh, Tom Wilson, under the supposed new rules that nobody seemed to know about, uh, got um, five minutes for fighting, two-minute instigator, and a 10-minute misconduct. So he was gone for 17 minutes, uh, playing on the first line at the time, uh, so Michael Pozzetta was was pretty happy with the exchange, uh, and it was kind of a, a turning point, I think. Um, but the fascinating thing is that after the fisticuffs, after after the anger, um, the and and uh, Tom Wilson was there for a while. So um, uh, Michael Pozzetta had taken another penalty and gone back to the the penalty box, and the two players, uh, rather than chirping back and forth, they had a polite conversation about the rule change and about the enforcement of uh, the instigator rule. And so, I, I, uh, Michael, I'll get to you in a second, but I'm going to play this once more. With all, all that in context, listen again uh, to um, Michael Pozzetta talking about, you know, the league is just trying to navigate its way through. Things are changing midseason. Uh, we had a conversation about it in the penalty box during the game. Uh, listen to Michael again. Yeah, it's definitely a it's definitely a sticky situation, and I think it's something that the league's trying to navigate right now. So, when you went back to the penalty box, and like he was still sitting there, it looked like you guys were chatting. Yeah, we were. Still- we were just uh, we were talking about exactly that, right? We were talking about uh, the instigator. Like, uh, I mean, things have changed. I mean, he was saying there's so many times he's been jumped after after a big hit, and there's no instigator. And there's times where like this one where we we squared off, and and there's an instigator. So uh, we were just having to talk about the, the, the new rule. And take that, Michael. Yeah, I I think it's kind of nice that uh, he sat down and had a nice polite <laughs> conversation in the penalty box. This is a, it seems like it might have actually been a pretty intelligent, you know, weighing out all the different options. I would have loved to have heard that conversation <laughs> to be sure. honest. Uh, pretty cool that that's what they're talking about and not talking about like the hit or the fight or anything. So a uh, nice little uh, inside look on uh, what players are talking about while they're sitting in the box. And otherwise, uh, many of us wouldn't have known that this was a directive that w- is happening at the end of the season to enforce yeah. uh, the instigator rule. Yeah, uh, it seems a little bit weird to me that uh, they're enforcing this mid-season as we're approaching the playoffs. I, I would have thought that uh, it would make more sense to wait for next season and test things out in the preseason, see how it goes. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, we'll go ahead and just make that uh, change right now. And uh, I'll try <laughs> to keep that in mind. I'll try to remember that this is a rule. I'm sure plenty of players will be confused as we move along here now. For sure. Uh, it's, it's, it's strange the way um, uh, the NHL works. It's strange the way players react to it and, 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 uh, and you know Tom Wilson is is right that um, there's been plenty of times he's delivered um, a a clean hit, uh, heavy hit typically, uh, but has to has had to fight afterwards. And he was a little confused by, and not 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 blaming Pizzetta at all, uh, just what's going on here. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, hopefully someone knows the rules. It seems like the refs at least know the rule for that one, and uh, we'll see if the players can catch on. <laughs> but for now, uh, let's uh, take a look around the league at uh, some hockey news. Uh, first and foremost, uh, just a little update on the Carson Breer situation. Uh, we remember a few weeks back uh, he went to the bar and there was that viral video of him pushing down a wheelchair down a flight of stairs. Uh, it was uh, later uh, reported that he's going to be prosecuted for that. And right now it uh, appears that he has been removed from the Mercyhurst University hockey team. So, uh, yeah, not not a great showing here from Car- Carson Breer. And uh, you, you got a feel for uh, the father there, Danny Breer, who just got that uh, interim GM job and uh, having to deal with all of this with his son. It was uh, a pretty... Uh, a very terse statement by uh, Mercyhurst University, um, and it reads, it was posted on, on Twitter this week, Carson Briere has been removed from the Mercyhurst University men's hockey team. Mercyhurst cannot comment further on this matter, um, I suppose, because for legal reasons, uh, because this is, as you said, a, a criminal matter. Um, he was charged with, uh, Carson Briere, that is, was charged with criminal mischief, and disorderly conduct. Uh, that that wheelchair uh, was pushed down a flight of chair, uh, flight of stairs, and and we found out later that is is a woman who is a double amputee. Um, there's been a GoFundMe that's that's uh, raised almost ten thousand uh, dollars to to buy her a new wheelchair. Um, I would have rather have seen. Uh, Carson Breer say, you know, that's on me. Uh, when when he put out his apology, he said he'd do whatever he could um, do to make up for his lack of judgment. I think the first step would have been uh, to reach out an apology and and to pay for any uh, for the wheelchair and any other um, you know treatment that, that the that the woman needed. Um, <clears throat> this is the the second time that uh, Carson Breer has been removed from a university hockey program. So uh, that's not uh, a good look. Yeah, some not so good hockey news coming from that. Uh, But on a more positive note, uh, some good news coming from Florida. Uh, Those who listened to last week's episode that came out on April the 1st, uh, you would have noticed that uh, my winner of the week was uh, Florida Panthers third string goaltender Alex Lyon. And uh, man, he's had another great week. I probably could have made him uh, the winner again. He went 5-0-0 with seven goals allowed in his past five starts. Uh, Lyon uh, and the Panthers currently have pushed the Pittsburgh Penguins out of that final wildcard spot uh, for the playoff race. Uh, If Alex Lyon and the Florida Panthers end up uh, solidifying a playoff spot, this could be the story of the season. Uh, Alex Lyon, a longtime AHL veteran goaltender, uh, I don't think he was expecting to get any NHL starts this year. Florida has uh, two, I guess, decent goaltenders. Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky is uh, a little bit inconsistent, uh, promising young goaltender and Spencer Knight as well. Uh, Bobrovsky is away from the team on injury. Uh, Spencer Knight is also away. And, uh, well, the only option they have right now is uh, Alex Lyon, who has taken the reins and uh, really gone for it. So very excited to see what he can do. And uh, I kind of hope that he gets to the playoffs. Um, but, you know, our listeners are saying, but wait, but wait. Um, yeah, the, the draft pick. <laughs> the draft pick. And and we should be hoping for the, the Florida uh, Panthers not to make the playoffs. Okay, but you can't ignore this spectacular 
and unexpected uh, run that Alex uh, Lyon has taken the team on. And you, you always love to see um, exciting stories like this where someone comes out of nowhere uh, to carry their team and, and especially given, you know, he's, he's been a bit of a journeyman and, and, and an a, having an AHL career. As you said, Spencer Knight, um, he's, he's on the, uh, out with the NHL assistance program. Bobrovsky has a, uh, a non-COVID illness. Um, it, it would be fascinating to see him for the uh, Panthers to, um, make the playoffs, and then if Alex Lyon gets the nod in goal to start the playoffs, uh, what a Cinderella story. Yeah, uh, I mean, if either of those goaltenders came back right now, I don't think you're making them the starting goaltender <laughs> right away, at least. You want to keep rolling the dice with Alex Lyon. So big uh, congrats to him. Uh, very happy uh, for everything that's panned out there. And uh, I, I know everyone's uh, looking at that draft pick, but uh, you know what? Uh, I, it might be worthwhile for that draft pick to be a little bit higher if uh, we get a good story out of Alex Lyon. And uh, let's also acknowledge that Ken Hughes said that has said uh, publicly that that draft pick is uh, is available. Um, he's looking to make another Kirby Doc kind of trade, uh, so that that they would um, that he would be interested in bringing in a young. Um, you know, uh, underdeveloped kind of player to be able to add to the the roster uh, to fast track uh, this rebuild. Yeah, it's a pretty good point to point out as well. Uh, some interesting news coming out of the AHL. Uh, the Chicago Wolves of the AHL plan to become an independent team next season. Uh, right now, they are affiliated with the Carolina Hurricanes, and uh, it's, it's a bit of a curious situation. First of all, I will say, kind of strange that... Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes affiliate is in Chicago. <laughs> uh, it was a little bit unexpected, but uh, even more curious that uh, this team is looking to become independent next season. It, um, it's, it's an interesting scenario. And, and uh, we talked about, we talked last week about uh, Scott Housen and, and uh, his contract renewal being in, in trouble. And that part of the reason is because um, there is a difference in the, AHL, where there are 21 uh, team NHL team-owned uh, franchise, and there are 11 uh, independently owned uh, teams, and and that the the Scott Housen um, uh, dispute didn't really fall necessarily along those lines, but but almost uh, those 11 independent teams and independently uh, owned teams have their own priorities and their own goals. And, and um, you know, they may not line up with uh, the organization's goals. Uh, and if you're not owned, like in, in, in the case of, of the Montreal Canadiens, they own the Laval Rocket. Um, and uh, so Kent Hughes said, if he, if he desires, he says, I want development to happen in, in Laval and coaching staff, you must play prospects hasn't happened this year there hasn't been a lot of development um this year um because jf wool has more of a winning mindset um and and we'll see how that plays out but when you take it on an organizational level and in this case we're talking about uh, the chicago wolves um they are defending calder cup champs they're they're fighting for a playoff spot this season um but they want to win a calder cup every season um and Carolina, uh, they want to develop their prospects. 
Um, so Wendell Young, the um, the GM of the Chicago Wolves, said uh, the philosophy has changed from Carolina. Uh, I believe Carolina's philosophy has changed. Now it's all about development. We think we should win, and we think by winning we develop. Now there's that, you know, that old trope that um, if you win, you're going to automatically develop. It's 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 a bit of a crock. It's a way of 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 teams, um, you know, pursuing winning and saying that. Uh, and 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 there's something about that being in a winning uh, environment. However, um, you know, as I said. Um, last week that uh, the greatest contribution to to development is opportunity and if at the AHL level um, the your prospects are not getting opportunity because the focus is on winning um, then that that kind of goes against the purpose of what the AHL team um, wants or, or what the what the NHL team wants um, and so I think this is a case of just two organizations with cross purposes. Uh, Carolina wants to develop their prospects. Chicago wants to win. Chicago is independently owned. They don't have to follow what Carolina uh, says. So um, Chicago said, we're going to go it alone. We're, we're going to, we're going to ditch the affiliate. Now they don't, they won't be able to be stalked by um, an NHL team, but they don't seem to have too many worries about that other than it's going to mean more well the two things it's going to mean more signings for them um independent signings and and the other part of it is uh we have to remember that the ahl has a veteran rule the wall the chicago wolves will still have to abide by the ahl's um rule that says that 13 of the 18 skaters must have um 260 or fewer games experience um, so maybe they'll have to go and get, bring back players from Europe and who, who have, um, you know, not very much experience, um, of pro experience. Um, but it's, it's fascinating and it's going to be interesting to see this struggle. It's going to mean that Carolina is going to have to look, look for, uh, a, a co-affiliate to, to partner up with another NHL team and share, uh, one of the AHL teams, um, just got to this situation where there's 32 uh, AHL teams for 32 of uh, NHL affiliates, and now that's going to be out the window next season as uh, Chicago goes alone. I, I know this might be a little confusing for our listeners, but it's this precedent here is going to be interesting to see uh, how it, how it affects all the other teams. And uh, just before we send it off into a break, uh, today is the five-year anniversary of the hum- humble Broncos bus crash. So uh, we remember them today. We're thinking of them. A uh, very tragic accident. And uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to those uh, families. The 16 um, individuals that lost their lives and those whose lives are permanently affected by the bus, bus crash. And and I remember kind of started then that the... Um, putting sticks out for Humboldt that that has been used since but but that's kind of where it started and I remember I I did that uh, putting sti- stick out um, in front of the garage and and uh, yeah it was devastating absolutely devastating and it kind of reminds um, you know us all of, of the the buses that are going from small place to in small place in the CHL in the in the AHL and uh, and given uh, the weather conditions in in Canada and the U.S. how 
um, how much we take for granted. And, and uh, so we thought we would uh, remember uh, those who lost their lives um, today. So we will take our first break on uh, this Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, coming up, we'll hear a brand new message from our sponsors, DraftKings. And then it's going to be our big topic segment. Stay with us. This is Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Look, this week, new customers will receive an odds boost to add plus 1,000 to any pre-tournament wager up to $10 on any golfer to win. So, for example, if you're a new customer and you see a golfer to win the tournament at plus 1,000 odds, DraftKings will boost that golfer to plus 2,000 odds for your shot at a bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odds boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day before the tournament starts to see what they have in store. Now, if you know me, you know I live and breathe for the Masters Tournament, so I've already got my eyes on the Masters. DraftKings Sportsbook lets me get in on the action. It's so much fun. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and boost your odds during this weekend's tournament. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS. 21 and over in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for detail and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella, and you can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. With me in the studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter as well. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, visit the website CanadiansConnection.com. And also, just a little reminder here to subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player on your favorite podcast app, wherever you're listening to this podcast. That way you never miss a single episode. And we're approaching the end of the season here. So uh, we thought it would be nice to take a look back at uh, some of the things that we said uh, right at the beginning of the season uh, throughout pre uh, training camp, throughout the preseason. And uh Compared to what actually happened, uh, there are going to be two episodes that uh, we're going to be referencing here. Uh, first off, it's going to be uh, Canadians Connection, episode 210, entitled Most Pressing Questions. And then as we move along, we will uh, start to take a look at Canadians Connection, episode 212, the 10 bold predictions. And uh, we'll assess what we said back then, uh, some of the things we got right, some of the things we got wrong. But uh, starting off here, uh, let's uh, and, take and a I'll look. Just, and, and I'll just say, if I can just uh, add sure. uh, that uh, that that episode uh, 212 of the 10 Bowl Predictions, uh, that we were very fortunate to have uh, Amy Johnson join us for that, and she contributed her uh, predictions uh, as well. Um, so we had three sets of predictions. We had the questions to answer, and 
when you're looking at the the end of the season, in, in order to tell the full story, to put everything in context, you have to f- figure out or remind yourself where you started, um, and and so that you can really uh, appreciate uh, the journey that the team has been on, that fans have been on. Uh, to to try and get a sense, we're going to ask you a little later whether this has been a successful season. We well, have to know the the the, the full journey and. You know, back then, uh, before the season started, both of those episodes aired uh, before the season began, the regular season, we had assumptions. We had assumptions based on what the team was telling us, based on uh, what the coaching staff was telling us. We had expectations how things would turn out. Uh, Some of those, some of those didn't turn out that way. Um, So we'll go through that. We'll talk about the the pressing questions. We'll talk about the uh, bold predictions. Um, and and just um, not only evaluate ourselves, but uh, evaluate the way the seasons played out based on the assumptions that that everybody had at the beginning. Yeah, at that point we were in a very different position. We hadn't seen certain players play yet. Uh, weren't entirely sure what the roster was going to be uh, for these episodes. We were still talking about you know what's Montreal going to do with uh, their defense because uh, it looked like we were going to have like almost all rookies. Uh, but uh, obviously they went out, they made a waiver pickup in uh, Kovacevic uh, to try and solidify that one a little bit. But uh, starting off, uh, we'll uh, take a look at most pressing questions. Uh, That's from Canadians Connection episode 210 that came out on September the 24th in 2022. And the first thing we asked, and this was a very interesting question. uh, The question is, can Kirby Doc fulfill the expectations of a third overall pick and become the team's second-line center. We hadn't seen Kirby Doc a whole lot at that point, and there was still a lot of concern. If you remember when he was acquired from Chicago, he wasn't really showing the type of player that he could be. He wasn't really up to expectations, and there were some some concerns over injuries and whatnot. But uh, based on how the season has gone, I I think he's done very well. He's actually kind of looked like a guy that might push Suzuki for that top-line center spot, in my opinion. and uh, yeah, I, I, I guess if I were to answer that question, I'd say that pretty confidently that uh, he is looking like the team's second line center. Uh, Rick, uh, can I get you to weigh in a little bit? Yeah, I think this this one's a slam dunk. Absolutely. He has shown that he can be uh, the, the, the team's second line center. And as you said, uh, maybe even push Suzuki uh, into a, you know, a 1A center, 1B center kind of kind of situation. And and it was, um, you know, there was questions about about his wrist, questions about uh, would he play wing, uh, and he did for a while. It wasn't immediately answered, uh, but it became very clear that uh, when he was at center, he drove the the play regardless of of who he had as as his line mates, as his wingers, um, and and since then, Kent Hughes has said yes. He is a center. The, the, the trade didn't make sense if if he wasn't, uh, if he didn't yeah. pan out to be a center. Um, he will be a center for the Montreal Canadiens and, and a very, very good one. Yeah, uh, he's still, uh, he's had some injuries this season, but for the most part, uh, he's been healthy. And uh, when healthy, you can feel the impact of him on the ice. Uh, the next question that we had, and uh, this one is uh, looking at defense. If we uh, want to go back to last offseason, the Jeff Petrie trade. Who did Montreal get back? Well, it was Mike Matheson. And our question was, is Mike Matheson capable of consistently playing 22 minutes a night? 
Why 22 minutes? Well, that uh, seemed to be the amount that Jeff Petrie would play per night. And uh, Rick, I'll let you start this one off. That's right. Uh, Jeff Petrie was playing uh, just over 22 minutes a night. So if the trade had been made one for the other, uh, Mike Matheson was going to have to take the majority of those uh, 22 minutes a night. And, and it was a question mark because Mike Matheson had only ever been a third pair defenseman, sometimes bumped up to the second pair and had played 17 minutes uh, a night typically with, uh, with Pittsburgh. Uh, so was he capable of that? Um, absolutely. Um, he's playing over 24 minutes uh, on average a night, 24 and a half minutes a, a night. Um, he, he's had injury issues. He, he took a while to, to get going and get adjusted, but uh, they just the coaching staff just kept sending him out there. Um, he's a beautiful skater. He's contributing to, to the offense. Um, I think he's fifth overall in, in scoring for the Montreal Canadiens. His defense <laughs> leaves something to be desired. Um, is he effective on the power plate? Mm. Um, is he going to be a, a first pairing defenseman, uh, for the Canadians going forward? No. Um, you know, on a, on a, on a playoff bound, on a contending team, you hope that that Mike Matheson is contributing as a third pairing defenseman, and we've seen Caden Gooley can can be that guy on the on the top um, when when not injured. Uh, but I think the question that we asked is, could he could he log the minutes? Absolutely, he's done that for sure. Yeah, I was pretty critical of uh, Mike Matheson uh, throughout the earlier parts of this season. Uh, we remember he was injured for a while. He came back for a game, immediately injured again. And then when he came back the second time, I didn't think he was that good. And I wanted him to play a lot less than that. But as uh, the season progressed, I think he found a rhythm, uh, really got going. Uh, like you said, averaging a little bit over uh, 24 and a half minutes per night. I think he's uh, stepped up and uh, done a pretty good job for uh, the type of player that he is. Yeah. Uh, this question here, I think uh, we still have a lot of questions about. That's uh, pretty fair to say. Uh, the question was, Jeff Molson has committed to building their medical team. Will the Canadians be less impacted by injuries than last season? And uh, I think this one is a resounding nope. Uh Still a lot of injuries and a lot of season-ending injuries, a lot of questions along the way. Uh, we remember there was a Kirby Doc uh, injury that turned into an illness at one point. Uh, we've seen players uh, come back and then get immediately injured again. Uh, lots of questions still to be had about this one, and uh, you and I have both suggested that uh, maybe the Canadians should go all in on this a little bit more this offseason. Well, and it's it's disappointing because Jeff Molson promised this at uh, when he he welcomed the new regime in. Uh, this was a commitment from Jeff Molson, and and frankly, he's failed miserably. This was in this was something that he took responsibility of. He talked about being one of his priorities. He's he's delivered on other priorities with respect to diversity and whatnot in hockey operations. He has not delivered on this. There has been. Little change with respect to the medical team. Uh, 731 man games lost in 2021-22. It's going to be more than that uh, this this season. Uh, so this is something that um, is is a disappointment. Uh, Kent Hughes, I think, has has now taken this on, and and I expect both he and Jeff Gordon will 
make changes in the offseason to address this. And, uh, well, we have another question that I think is still going to be a question ongoing. And the question here is, what kind of coach will Marty St. Louis become? I I don't know still. I really <laughs> just, I don't know. <laughs> At the time that uh, we recorded that initial podcast, the hope was that he spent the summer learning and uh, that he could be a good mentor for some players. Um, it's turned out that he can be a good mentor for some guys. And then it's question marks from there. I, if, I don't know. I think the only thing we can say for sure as a coach is that he has vibes, I guess. I don't know if that's necessarily even something you want from a head coach. Sometimes uh, he's a good player for young guys. Other times it's inconsistent. Uh, it's nice to see that uh, Cole Caulfield was able to score and benefited from being under Martin St. Louis. Uh, but then you have guys like uh, Sean Farrell, who Martin St. Louis wasn't too happy about having to put into the lineup. And then now he's uh, currently making uh, Sean Farrell uh, sit up in the press box for some reason. Uh, Marty St. Louis sometimes uh, is good for development, giving certain players uh, big opportunities. Um, you know, having uh, Yolonen in the lineup, having uh, that young decor, and uh, that young decor was very, very successful this year, I'd say. Uh, Doc has flourished this season, but uh, there are other situations where it it seems like he was, I don't know if it's, he's against development or what's going on, but uh, remember how long it took for Kirby Doc to finally yeah. get consistent games at center? Yeah. For the longest time, he was stapled to the wing, and we were asking a lot of questions. Well, if Kirby Doc is a winger, then that they certainly that was an overpayment last summer. That should not be what Kirby Doc was brought in to be. And I think it wasn't until Kent Hughes came out and said, we see Kirby Doc as a center, that we finally got to see him get consistent reps in that position. The other thing I wanted to talk about is uh, Martin St. Louis' choices in the shootout. And this has been <laughs> going on for like the whole season uh, sending out uh, Alex Belzeal very early on in the shootout, sending out a Michael Matheson in the shootout. That, that's very questionable. I don't know what his strategy is on that shootout. Uh, say what you want about the shootout, but it's a part of the game. It, it, it what decides uh, a win or a loss. So anyways, uh, I still have a lot of questions about Martin St. Louis, and uh, I'm, I feel like we're going to be continuously asking this throughout his tenure as uh, Montreal Canadiens head coach. No, I agree 100%. You know, what kind of coach will he become? We have no idea because he's changed the type of, of, of coach, the, the kinds of, of emphasis that he's placed throughout the, throughout the season. He's uh, sometimes, as you said, he's good with development. Sometimes we, we saw him change uh, completely the structure of, of uh, uh, the game plan. Uh, after the, whole, the the Christmas and and December was was uh, awful, uh, they were giving up goals all over the place. So they became a very defensive team, and then they couldn't score. Um, he's dabbled here and there and and everywhere else. Um, he's emotional. He's impulsive. He relies on his gut, and he, he expects his players to do to be the same kind of player that that he was. Um, he, you know, he's very inspirational, um, and, um, and, and, and is inspirational to, uh, a number of the players for the, for the rest who need more instruction, who need more structure. Uh, he's not that kind of coach and, and nor will he ever be. So is he, is he going to bring in a modern approach? Is he going to be like, more like his, his mentor and old school approach like John, 
John Tortorella? Um, we don't know uh, because there's there's bits of 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 uh, of of everybody in there, and uh, and and it's not consistent. It changes. He hasn't had time as a coach to to develop his um, his philosophy and then and then stick with it. He's still, um, you know, trying trying out different things. And as far as him, you know, spending the summer watching video or making notes or designing structures, that's that's just not who he is. Um, he enjoyed last summer, and I expect he's going to do the same thing. Uh, not think about hockey much this summer. Um, so I, I think that you know the the jury's still out on 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 what kind of coach he'll be. Um, he'll just be, uh, um, he is a personality, a strong personality, um, and, and many fans like that, lots of fans don't. Um, will Marty St. Louis um, be the coach for the Canadians once they turn this, uh, turn the corner and start being a competitive team? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, but he is the coach now, and uh, he's br- brought a pro- positive spirit uh, to an otherwise, um, you know, difficult season where the Canadians are towards the bottom of the standings. And uh, the next question, I think, ties into some of that as well. Uh, we asked, can the Canadians stick to the plan of development first for the entire season as <laughs> an organization? I think a bit yes and no. Um, one of the things that uh, I, comes to mind first is Slavkovsky being in the NHL. To me, that was not development as he was not NHL ready as advertised. Um, I think if this team was going for development over good press, they could have let Slavkovsky start the season uh, with Laval and only call him up if he showed that he was going to be ready. Uh, I think the other thing too, Kirby Doc being stapled to the wing uh, because he was on one of the, well, the best line on this team with uh, Suzuki and uh, Caulfield and really uh, driving that line, uh, being the defensive conscience for that line. I, I felt like it took a little bit too long. And it, like I said, it seemed like that didn't change until Kent Hughes came out and said something about it. Uh, but uh, they are giving a lot of opportunities to younger guys. I, I think they handled uh, the situation with uh, Yessa Ullinen very well, uh, letting him start in uh, the American League and then calling him up uh, once he got his legs under him. Uh, same thing with uh, Justin Barron, uh, not having a very good camp, but then getting sent down uh, to Laval, being uh, an all-star and then missing uh, the all-star break because he was just that good and deserved to be in the NHL at that point in time. Uh, and then on the flip side, too, I, I remember at the point that we were recording that initial podcast, uh, there was a lot of talk about Arbor Jackai. Uh, yeah, he certainly ended up finding a role on that team, but uh, there are still some holes in his game. And I was kind of hoping that he could get some more time in the AHL as well to help uh, fill those holes and uh, develop into a more complete defenseman. But uh, again, it, it seemed like they're valuing good press over uh, development. What is your thought on this one, Rick? Well, especially with, uh, just to add to what you, that very good point you made about Jacki, um, he was a fan favorite. So in a difficult season, um, you you keep the players that are entertaining the fans. Is that a focus on development? Well, um, maybe not. Uh, Slavkovsky as well, as as you said, he he had so many things, and Kent Hughes uh, outlined that how raw his game was, how he had to work on this and this and this and this and this, and this 
better do that in the AHL, of course. Um, and and but again, uh, it would have been a PR nightmare to uh, send their first overall pick uh, to the AHL. So were they were they focused on development in some cases? Yes, in in some cases, absolutely not. That uh, that Kirby Doc. Um, example, uh, keeping him on the on the first line. Why? Uh, Marty St. Louis was asked, and he said, "Well, um, that he need to bol- he needed to bolster that first line because Suzuki and Caulfield uh, weren't defensively responsible. Um, so they needed uh, the support of of Doc, but they sacrificed his development at center, uh, playing him so many games uh, early in the season. Um, it it." Uh, you know, and and, and there was there was Laval in itself, uh, and the way that that Ull prioritized winning uh, didn't help with with development. He had said, and we had that quote that uh, development would happen in practice, and it would happen when the development specialist came down from from the Canadians. Um, Edmondson, right at the beginning of the season, said, uh, no, rebuild's over. We're not worried about development. So mm-hmm. there was all kinds of mixed messages and, and mixed actions happening. And uh, uh, did they stick to that plan that, that was so forceful at the beginning? Marty, Marty St. Louis saying you have to value intentions, not results. I think um, that, was, that was good at the start of the season, but they got, they got away from that uh, a number of times uh, through the season. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the final question uh, we'll reference here, and I'll let you take the lead on this one, Rick. It, it's a pretty big one. Uh, which Canadians prospect in the CHL or NCAA will have the biggest impact this season? Uh, there are a few options provided. Uh, Lane Hudson, Sean Farrell, Owen Beck. Uh, Rick, what are your thoughts? Well, listen, um, all three uh, had terrific seasons in different ways. Um, yeah. Owen Beck was traded because he was valued so much to, uh, for a Memorial Cup push, uh, push in Peterborough. Sean Farrell and Lane Hudson, tremendous season. Lane Hudson, historic uh, season for a defenseman. Uh, both of those names, as we mentioned earlier, being part of the Hobie Baker conversation. I just think who would have predicted when we asked this question that two of the three of those players would have made their Canadians debut this season, both Owen Beck and Sean Farrell getting a Canadians uh, debut. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Big uh, congrats to them too. Sean Farrell getting uh, his first NHL career goal. That, that looked pretty good. Uh, but uh, the, the question being biggest impact this season, uh, I guess by default <laughs> ends up being Sean Farrell, but uh, most of them uh, did, like you said, they ended up having really good seasons in other leagues and uh, still plenty of reasons to be excited about all of these guys. For sure. Uh, now, moving along to our uh, Canadians Connection episode 212, our 10 bold predictions that we did at the start of the year. Uh, like you said, Amy Johnson joined in uh, for that one. And, uh, well, we had a, a number of wide range of different questions here um and uh we made our predictions uh, we'll see if any of them panned out and uh, we'll talk a little bit about how things were maybe different at the beginning of the seasons and how uh, we got to where we were uh question number one who will lead the canadians in points this season i don't think that there's going to be too much to talk about with this one we all predicted suzuki uh suzuki 63 points on the season he's got a wide margin between uh, that and the the next guy on the list uh, for points so 
Nick Suzuki, and we got that one right, right, Rick. <laughs> and and I think we said at the time we were starting with the easy questions. We all expected Nick Suzuki, barring injury, to to uh, lead the team in points. He did. Uh, not a surprise there. Uh, will Cole Caulfield score more or less than thirty eight goals this season? This was an interesting question to start the year because we saw Cole Caulfield last season. Uh, he had a little bit up and down. Uh, obviously, under Ducharme, he wasn't scoring at all. Then Marty St. Louis came in, and he started to score, and he started to look like a pretty good player. So coming into this season, it was like, okay, how how good a goal scorer is this player going to be? And, uh, well, it looks like you and I both uh, picked less. Amy picked more. And, well, I said he'd probably get uh, high 20s, low 30s, and uh, I was right, but for all the wrong reasons. Unfortunately, <laughs> Cole Caulfield uh, got a season-ending injury, uh, 26 goals in 46 games. Looked like he was probably going to get to 40 pretty handily. Yeah, I think um, had he been healthy, Amy wins this hands down. She said more than 40. I said 36. Um, it it uh, bought injuries. Um, factor into these kinds of predictions and expectations, and and that one um, certainly slowed uh, Cole Caulfield's uh, uh, terrific season that he was having. Yeah, and uh, speaking of uh, scoring goals, uh, the question here, will the Canadians have more or less than 520 goal scorers? Well, the the answer to that ended up being three, Anderson, Suzuki, and Caulfield. I was right about that one, but man, this team has been very up and down when it comes to being able to put the puck in the net, and it seems like it really comes down to those three guys to be able to score. Uh, what were your thoughts on how this one developed? Yeah, we all had said we had different players, but I think we all had said less uh, less than five twenty goal scorers, and and that's how it uh, that's how it turned out. I think there was going to be a concern um, that right from the beginning about goal scoring. Um, and, uh, and it, it played out that way, um, with the Canadians kind of relying for most of the season on, on those, that, that small group of scorers. Yeah. I think for the longest time, it felt like Caulfield was the only one putting the puck in the net. So, uh, certainly you hope that to over the, the off season, uh, maybe some more players can develop into goal scorers, or maybe they're able to bring in another uh, player that can do that. Uh, along the lines of uh, Yuri Slavkovsky, because at uh, the point that we recorded our predictions, Slavkovsky did not look good in the preseason. He didn't look very good in camp. He looked amazing in the rookie tournament against uh, all the other teams' rookies and uh, players that were just drafted. But man, when the preseason started and we got to see Slavkovsky against actual NHLers, it wasn't looking very good. Yeah. And as the season went along, you could tell it, it, he just was not quite NHL ready. Um, I, I mentioned uh, over and over, he probably could have spent some time in Laval and would have benefited from that. Uh, obviously, uh, an injury derailed his season. Uh, he uh, didn't uh, get to play a whole lot. He got into 39 games. He had 10 points. We all predicted less for that one, and uh, we were correct. I don't think uh, any of us were very high on him, and uh, I hope he has a really good offseason and is able to be a little bit more NHL ready for next year. And now he's got his high school diploma. Oh, yeah. Congrats on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, looking at centers, uh, face-offs was a big topic uh, at the beginning of the year, too. Uh, under Dominic Ducharme, it looked like Montreal was very bad at uh, the face-off dot. Uh, so our question was, which center will lead the team in uh, face-off winning percentage? Uh, 
and the key word there is uh, which center, uh, <laughs> because if uh, we're including everybody and anybody could take any number of faceoffs, it looks like Hoffman's actually leading the way, but we're not going to count that. And uh, depending on how many games uh, we want to consider, it looks like uh, it's probably Jake Evans and Christian Dvorak. Um, yeah, I think, Rick, you got uh, that one right with uh, Christian Dvorak. Uh, Amy and I uh, a little bit off predicting Suzuki and Doc. And uh, Doc came up uh, because, um, you know, everyone was saying, oh, but you can't place Kirby Doc at center because he can't win faceoffs. Um, and he had the lowest last year. He had the lowest uh, faceoff percentage for a center above a certain amount of games uh, in the NHL. Um, and, and our question here was, uh, would he improve? Um, and um, would he be better or worse than 40%? Um, Amy said better. You and I said uh, worse. Um, I said 38%, and, and for some reason, he's right at he's at 38.3%. Uh, so he's improved over last year, but uh, still has a way to go with respect to his faceoffs. Yeah, so good prediction on your part. I'm curious how you managed to figure that one out. <laughs> Uh, goaltenders too. I thought goaltenders were going to be a much bigger topic than they were this season. Um, at the time, uh, we had both Montembeau and Primo on one-way contracts, and I think there was some question of, okay, who's going to win that backup uh, spot uh, behind Allen? Uh, the question that we asked was, will Canadians backup goaltenders combine for more or less than 13 wins this season? So I believe the reason why we went with 13 wins uh, for backup goaltenders was the season before, that's how many they got. That's total, right. Correct? Yeah. That's right. And I think there and, was three or four of them that, that combined yeah. for that, those 13 wins. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we mentioned that Andrew Hammond was a part of that one, too, if yeah. you remember that point in time. I thought uh, we would have seen a lot more of Primo. I thought this could have been more of a three-headed goaltending monster. Yeah. Uh, we didn't really get to see Primo until recently. He started two games. He didn't get any wins. Montembeau played a lot more than I think we were expecting. He ended up uh, getting 16 wins. Uh, so, yeah, he got more than 13. Uh, I believe that I was the only one that uh, said more for that one, but you I did. said 14, 15, so... I, I guess I got that one right. But uh, you know what? Uh, on the topic of Montembeau, I will say he was a lot better this year than I thought he was going to be. And I think part of that is to do, uh, you talked about uh, the change in the Montreal system structure being more defensive minded. It seems like the Montreal is doing a better job at uh, keeping those uh, pucks more to the outside. Eh? Yeah, I I think as certainly in the second after Christmas, uh, there's been there's been much more of an emphasis on that. Uh, I think Montembeau has also benefited from a cheerleading squad in the Montreal yeah. <laughs> media. Um, y you know, he has 16 wins. He has 19 losses. Um, and folks are talking about him as as the next number one. And, and, and he had a better season than he had, uh, you know, his, his goals against is down from 377 to 326. Is that, uh, is that what you're... Uh, 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 number one goaltender's numbers look like a 906 save percentage. Not really, um, but maybe he's he's shown the organization enough, and with this uh, cheerleading group behind him, that uh, that he can be an effective backup going forward. 
Yeah, one more uh, season uh, on his contract, and uh, it looks like uh, him and Primo will be battling it out again uh, next preseason. So uh, we'll see what happens there, but uh, it seems like uh, Montembo has a little bit of the edge over Caden at the moment. And uh, the young defense, that's something that we've talked about uh, quite a bit as well. At the time that we recorded that uh, episode, we we didn't really know how that was going to shape out. Uh, Amy actually dropped some breaking news on the podcast that uh, Montreal (laughs) picked uh, Kovacevic up off of waivers. So that uh, certainly had an impact on uh, how we decided our answer to this question. Who will play more games at defense for the Canadians? Justin Barron, Jordan Harris, or Otto Leskinen? And, uh, well, it ended up being Harris by a bit of a landslide, getting 65 games. Barron uh, has been in 36, Leskin in zero. Um, Amy's the only one that picked Harris for that one, so she gets that one right. But, uh, yeah, Harris, I think he ended up being, like, their second-best defenseman on the team, to be honest, uh, behind Gooley. Uh, very impressed with what Harris was able to do. Uh, we saw him a little bit uh, the season before. He looked all right. He looked like he could fit into that role. But uh, there was certainly a battle uh, for uh, positions on defense uh, throughout that preseason. It's uh, it's very interesting because, again, uh, the predictions that we made were based on what we saw and what we heard. Uh, and we heard uh, from uh, Marty St. Louis that the focus would be on uh, development and that there was some concern about all of those he didn't necessarily want, all those um, rookie defensemen in his lineup. And we heard from uh, Kent Hughes, that uh, his plan for the year was a rotation uh, of all those defensemen through Laval. Um, I chose Otto Leskinen, which seems silly the way the uh, season has turned out, but I chose him because he was he was uh, the one who had the most experience uh, and the least to learn going forward because, you know, he's not going to be part of the future. So I figured he would be kind of a fixture and that they would rotate uh, the Harrison Baron, spending more time um, in Laval uh, as they had planned, as per uh, Kent Hughes's um, his plan. But it didn't work out that way, and the reason it didn't was that Jordan Harris was terrific. He was absolutely great. Um, and how could you send him down? Um, and uh, so good on Amy for for getting that one uh, correct. And uh, the most interesting question of them all, <laughs> will Michael Pizzetta or Arbor Jacki lead the Canadians in penalty minutes this season? So again, at that point, we didn't know if uh, Arbor Jacki was going to crack the lineup. Uh, we didn't know how many games Michael Pizzetta was going to get into as well, if he was even going to make the team. Uh, both Rick and Amy picked uh, Jacki, I picked Pizzetta, and uh, yeah, Jacki very much leading the way there. 101 penalty minutes and 51 games. Uh, lots of lots of fights, lots of lots of different penalties. Uh, surprisingly, at number two uh, ends up being a Chris Weidman with seventy-seven penalties in forty-three games. Uh, much different reasons for Weidman, but uh, yeah, Pizzetta only uh, seventy penalty minutes. Uh, he's been in uh, six games so far, so uh, I guess you guys were right on that one, Arbor Jack. I, I didn't expect him to stay up as long as he did, and. Uh, he certainly found himself a role, and uh, like you said, he was a bit of a PR darling. There was no way they were going to put him in Laval. No, that's absolutely right. And uh, interesting that that I had mentioned and during that show that I had mentioned uh, about to keep an eye on Chris Weidman that that his uh, penalty penalty minutes would probably be more than you um, expect. Um, with uh, you know, we went on to say will. 
the leader in penalty minutes have more than 85 penalty minutes in the in the NHL. And of course, uh, Arbor Jacki has uh, has done that. Amy said more. Uh, you said less. I said uh, that he would have 85 penalty minutes against the Ottawa Senators alone, <laughs> uh, given the way the preseason was going and their hatred for Arbor Jacki. Well, the the next thing, this was a difficult question to ask at the time, but uh, we asked who will be traded at the trade deadline. We had a list of different players, but it's interesting just how the season played out. We thought for sure Monaghan would be a lock. Um, you thought uh, maybe a Hoffman, maybe an Armia. Would Gallagher go? Would somebody bite on Drouin? But there was only one player traded at uh, the trade deadline. That ended up being Evgeny Dadnov. And uh, Rick, I believe you have a list of how this went. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you and I both had Dadanoff on our lists. Your list included players to be tra- uh, that would be traded by the deadline of Dadanoff, Hoffman, Monahan, and Anderson. Um, Anderson's looking more like an off-season trade. Monahan absolutely, probably would well for sure would have been traded had he been uh, healthy to do so. Um, my list had Dadanoff, Armia. How could I trade uh, Armia with his hat trick? Um, and <laughs> and Monahan. And uh, Amy had Hoffman, Gallagher, and uh, Jonathan Duran. Yeah, so bold predictions from Amy uh, didn't quite uh, work out, but this was a very interesting trade deadline. I think all of us were hoping that more than just that one trade would end up going down, but it didn't quite look like that. So hopefully a little bit more of a busy offseason for trades. And uh, finally, a very interesting question here. Will the... Will the Canadians finish the season with more or less than 75 points? Rick, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, well, it's it's uh, still undetermined, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> I had said 73. You had said between 70 and 72. Um, and um, they're at 68 right now. Um, and so they, they could get as many as, as 76. Uh, but it looks like it's going to be less than 75 points, which... Uh, Interestingly enough, we we uh, we were kind of right on track with this one, both of us. Yeah, definitely. And at the time, too, people were looking at the Montreal Canadiens roster and saying, "This is much better than last year." And there's no Dominic Ducharme. You know, how good are they actually going to be? I don't think we were expecting them to be like a lot better, like you know, not last place in the Atlantic. But uh, we were expecting somewhat of an improvement, and I think uh, we got kind of what we were expecting. Yeah, for sure. Um, And uh, we went on, the part two of that question was, where will they finish? Uh, Where will they finish in the standings? And and we got to give the nod to to Amy. She was dead on um, saying that uh, they would finish 27th. They they certainly have uh, the possibility that that's where they will uh, end up um, picking uh, sixth overall. Yeah. I, I didn't think that uh, Mont- the, while the Arizona Coyotes would be ahead of uh, Montreal, I didn't think the Arizona Coyotes were going to win as much as they did. So uh, it was kind of interesting that that's how it played out. But uh, I think this is kind of where we all expected them to be around and uh, kind of where you would hope that they would finish the season. Yeah. So uh, interesting to look back and uh, reflect on how uh, we got from point A to point B. Uh, so many storylines went down between uh, the beginning of the season and training camp to now. And, uh, oh, man, if we could have known the things. <laughs> uh, it's uh, yeah, interesting season, and uh, we want to make sure that uh, you get to let us know. Uh, do you think this was a, uh, 
a good season for the Montreal can see Montreal Canadians. Was this a success, a successful season for them? We want to hear from you and uh, make sure uh, you reach out and uh, let us know. And the way you do that is first of all, text us at the rocket sports text line, five, eight, five, three rocket. Uh, send us an email. Hello at rocketsportsradio.com. But most importantly, please subscribe, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app, subscribe in the player you're listening now and also, it'd be a big help for us uh, if you'd pass on to your friends, uh, follow the Canadians Connection. We've we've had the longest running Saturday afternoon podcast uh, going back to 2011 uh, in the uh, Montreal Canadiens uh, community. So we'd really uh, love your help sharing uh, our podcast with your your fellow Canadians uh, fans. So now we'll go ahead and take a take our final break stay with us you are listening to the canadians connection podcast here on rocket sports radio the canadians connection is proud to be a partner of rocket sports media digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed engaged entertained and connected learn more about rsm its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode 238 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Please make sure you're following at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, check out the website, CanadiansConnection.com. And feel free to text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line. That's at 5853ROCKET, 5853ROCKET. And it's a Have Your Say segment, uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, we will be asking our Canadians Connection question of the week momentarily. But uh, boy, oh boy, the, just so many storylines uh, from this Montreal Canadiens season, and uh, it can be a little bit hard to keep up with, isn't it? 
Well, and, and that's why we're here. And we've been doing this for, for a long, long time, uh, more than a decade. And, uh, and, and it's the reason, um, I think, that um, we've, we've have so many followers and we've had them for such a long time that have made uh, the Canadians Connection podcast, uh, formerly Habs 360, we've, we made, you've made it part of your regular routine to listen to us every week. Some, um, we've been told, some of you listen to it uh, with the family, um, and uh, some of you listen to it while you're commuting. Um, but we're very grateful for the fact that uh, that you listen to us so we can uh, keep you on, um, completely informed during the season and once uh, the regular season ends as well. And uh, here's where you can find out what you need to know. Uh, head over to HabsHockeyReport.com. And uh, you can find all sorts of great stuff on there. Uh, first and foremost, every Monday, Christie puts out his Habs notepad. So that's a good source for all your Habs news from the past week. Also, we have a YouTube channel. Uh, you can find it by searching at All Habs on YouTube. Make sure you hit subscribe as Amy Johnson weekly on Thursday puts out the Habs Hockey Report. This past week's episode is entitled, This Isn't the Top Spot That the Habs Want, Montreal Canadiens. You want to tune into that one as Amy Johnson tackles all sorts of fun uh, topics. Uh, if you leave any comments, she will interact with you. She responds to everybody, and uh, sometimes she'll even read your comments on air. So hit like, leave a comment, hit that subscribe button, and never miss a single episode of that. Plus, we have a Rocket Sports Radio podcast. Uh, we have two of them, actually. Every Tuesday, The Press Zone comes out. You can find that at thepresszone.fm. Make sure you're subscribed to that. Uh, if you want to keep up to date with everything Habs Prospects, Laval Rocket, uh, anything to do with uh, all, the, all the AHL teams, uh, that's a good source. Amy Johnson, Patrick Williams, and Rick Stevens make up that team. Hey, and if I can just give a, a push to that, you got to listen to The Press Zone this Tuesday because by that point... Uh, there'll be a little bit more information in and they'll have a lot more um, details and certainly the how the how the scenarios are, are playing out with respect to uh, the Laval Rockets playoff hopes. Also, make sure you continue to listen to and subscribe to this podcast, The Canadians Connection. You can find it at canadiansconnection.fm. We come out every single Saturday, and uh, as we approach the off-season, I know sometimes other podcasts and uh, some of your favorite radio stations stop talking hockey and Montreal Canadiens. Well, we uh, we continue to talk throughout the whole summer every single Saturday. We never miss a single Saturday, so make sure that you hit that subscribe button and you listen to us throughout the entire year. Now, uh, for our Canadians Connection question of the week, the question is, do you think that the Montreal Canadiens had a successful season? We want to make sure we hear from you, and uh, I'll just let you know the Rocket Sports text line one more time, 5853 Rocket, so make sure you include uh, your first name and where you're from uh, when you reach out to us, that way we know who uh, we're hearing from. And sometimes we get really good texts or emails from our listeners, and uh, we like to read those on air. Uh, and we got a great email uh, this week, um, and he is a Canadians Connection listener. He says, hello, my name is Dylan, and I'm writing from Hamilton. Uh, so he's he certainly followed uh, your direction there to, to leave his name and uh, where, he's, um, where he's writing from. Um, he goes on to say, Dylan goes on to say, on Monday, uh, this was uh, a couple weeks back, my friends Tom and Tracy and myself attended the game in Buffalo. And I wanted to send a big thank you to both uh, Nick Suzuki and Jake Evans for being so great and getting a photo with all of us 
at Starbucks just before the game. Um, and he leaves his Twitter handle and, and, and Instagram. And he sent a terrific picture, which we'll, uh, we'll post to Facebook and Instagram, uh, of Dylan, um, his, his friends, Tom and Tracy. Uh, Tracy has a Suzuki jersey that she's holding. And there are Nick Suzuki and Jake Evans, both just picked up their pregame coffee from Starbucks and, and heading back to uh, the arena in Buffalo, just across uh, the street. Uh, but they were nice enough to stop uh, and have this photo taken and have a few words with these fans, even though it was so close to game time. And, and uh, Dylan just wanted to express his gratitude, and, and we're happy to pass that along, along to, to you and, and uh, to the Canadians as well. Yeah, I appreciate hearing the story, Dylan, and uh, I'm glad that uh, your trip from Hamilton to Buffalo went uh, well, probably uh, better than you expected it to go. And uh, full credit to Suzuki and Evans for uh, taking the time to stop and to hang out with the fan. But uh, coming up this week, uh, it's another very busy Montreal Canadiens week as the season comes to an end. Uh, starting today, Saturday, April the 8th, Montreal is visiting the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, so... Uh, Make sure you tune into that. Hopefully we can uh, take those Maple Leaf fans down just a little notch. I hope so. Uh, next game isn't until uh, the 12th of April. Uh, Montreal visits the uh, New York Islanders, and then uh, it's going to be a back-to-back on the 13th of April. Montreal heads back home, and they host the Boston Bruins, and that's going to be a game that uh, you'll want to keep tabs on. Uh, so get ready for puck drop. Read all our complete complete previews for every game day at HabsHockeyReport.com. That Boston game is going to be fascinating. As we talked about, the Boston Bruins going for the record, uh, the 132-point record set by the Montreal Canadiens. Will Boston uh, be concerned with that record? Will they be sitting out players, resting them for the playoffs? We know Sheldon Keefe has said he's going to be resting uh, players for Saturday night's game uh, for for the Leafs. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see how this turns out and as well, what happens with uh, with Arizona if, and if the Canadians keep that uh, sixth overall pick, uh, which they're presently in line for now. So uh, just wishing a happy Easter weekend to everybody, a happy Passover as well. Happy long weekend uh, to everyone, too. And uh, that's going to be a wrap for us today. And uh, thank you all for tuning in. And uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button in the player or on your favorite podcasting app for the Canadians Connection. Share on social media, too, if uh, you like what you heard. That goes a long way in helping us out. Enjoy the week, and uh, we'll be back here next Saturday, April the 15th, for another great episode. Thank you all for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens. Canadians.